Yo, 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 you made it back. What up, what up, what up? It's your boy, Reg the Ledge, AKA shout out Reg. Welcome back to the show, Know the Ledge. Let's get into it this week. Let's go. All right, let's get into this rookie of the year debate because it's gotta be talked about at this point. It's getting to that time of the year. I got Chet versus Wimby. Like they're both dominating. They're both doing things that we've really never seen before. Wimby set records. He scored, what is this, 15 points in 23 straight games. He broke an old Hakeem Olajuwon record. He scored 15 in 21 straight games. So, you know, Wimby's definitely doing his thing. He's on a pace to become the first player in NBA history to average three blocks, one steal, and one block per game in an NBA season. And he's only 20 years old. He's playing less than 30 minutes a game. Then you got Chet. Chet is the first player to ever have the numbers 150 blocks, 150 assists, and over 100 threes in one season. And he did that before February. Like Chet is putting up numbers. I mean, Wimby's right behind him. He's got 75 threes, but Chet's probably the better shooter when it comes to the two. And I think it's showing with that. So, you know, the debate is really heavy. But here's my question. Chet was drafted the year before last, right? And he hurt himself in a program and had to sit out this last season. And now he's playing this year and we're calling this his rookie season. Now, shouldn't, isn't that, you know, that's kind of funny to me because Wimby, you know, he was drafted this past year. He is a legit rookie and he's putting up these numbers. I feel like Chet might have the advantage and other rookies have the advantage too because I think Ben Simmons uh, uh, had this situation and Blake Griffin where they got injured before they actually play their NBA game and they had to sit out a full season. And in sitting out that full season, you get to work out with other professional athletes, professional training facilities, professional trainers, and they're basically building you up. Not only are they rehabbing your injury, but they're build building up your body to prepare yourself for the rigorous NBA season. So again, like, is he really a rookie? Like, in my opinion, I feel like players who are in Chet's situation and Chet's situation is very particular because he played in a pro-am game. That's a professional amateur game. That was a voluntary thing he did. And he went and he hurt himself. So shouldn't he be, you know, punished in some type of way for deciding to do that? Like, in my opinion, rookies should be allowed to play in pro amateur games. They should only be allowed to play in summer league and anything NBA affiliated. But a pro iron game, they shouldn't be able to play in just for this reason. Because if they get hurt and it costs them a season, then, you know, it kind of it, it just messes things up. Like, you know, Chet, I don't know if he would have been who he is this year, last year, because he was a lot thinner. He wasn't as strong as he was. You know, Wimby, he's had to kind of build himself up over the course of the season. When we saw Wimby in the summer league, he was, you know, he wasn't as, as strong as he is now. And he's getting stronger every game he plays because he's training. He's practicing against other professional players. He has professional training. You know, all the things that you, all the benefits that you have as a professional player. So just in my opinion, I don't know if, if this is a fair fight. Um, you know, just to get back one more Wimby stat, Wimby steals and blocks is third all time in his rookie year. He's behind David Robinson and Manute Bowl, and he's beating Shaq. So that has to, you know, that just adds to his campaign of being rookie of the year. I still like Chet just because Chet, I feel like, is on a better team and he's contributing to that team. That team is a top three team in the West and it has a lot to do with him. 
you know, Shea is definitely the MVP in my opinion, and he's definitely a major factor. But when they talk about big three in OKC, they talk about Shea, they talk about Jalen Williams, and they talk about Chet Holmgren. So, you know, we got to recognize and acknowledge the fact that Chet is a major contributor to a playoff team. So, you know, we look at MVP and that MVP usually comes from the better team. Chet's on the better team when we talk about Wimby versus Chet. So that's just a little little thought I had about it. But, I, I you know, Wimby wanted, you know, I wouldn't be mad about it. You know, it is what it is. Chet is definitely doing his thing. But Wimby's putting up, you know, historic numbers and at an historic rate especially when you consider the fact he's only playing 30 minutes a game like that's that's major he's not even playing the whole game and he's putting up these numbers that that means a lot so stay tuned so this week we're going to start a new segment it's called not talked about enough and basically it's just going to be about players who might have not won, won mvps or championships or scoring titles or anything like that but were still really good players just maybe had bad timing when they came into the league or you know had other stuff going on and kind of slowed down their career but they were still they were still bad boys. The first one we're going to start with this week is Steve Francis, a.k.a. The Franchise, Maryland native. Steve Francis had an interesting story, like an incredibly interesting story. Just, you know, his background, he, only, he went to six different high schools when he was in high school and he played two varsity games. Let me repeat that one more time. Six different high schools only played two varsity games. So it's safe to say he, you know, he struggled in school. Um, he didn't go to Maryland right away. I mean, we all know him from going, being at the University of Maryland. Actually, he was playing pickup at a, um, you know, rec center and somebody there saw him playing and was like, yo, you need to go to school and, and play ball, man. You could do this. So he ended up going to junior college and getting his GED. Along the way, he played at, a, you know, I think two different junior colleges and, and, and dominated and, and won a few championships championships there which eventually led him to transfer into Maryland at Maryland he led Maryland to a record 28 wins and only six losses they were the fifth ranked school in the AP rankings and he averaged 17 a game four assists and two steals uh, he eventually was drafted in the, into the NBA the second pick by the Vancouver Grizzlies Unfortunately, he didn't want to play for the Grizzlies, so he uh, kind of put up a protest and basically was, you know, not going to attend their training camp, Was didn't even go visit with the team. Um, eventually, the Houston Rockets saw what was going on and ponied up and basically offered one of the biggest trade packages in, in NBA history at the time and were eventually able to acquire uh, Steve Francis. Franchise was an incredible athlete. Um, he won co-rookie of the year with Elton Brand. He was a second place winner in the slam dunk contest that year in 2000. He was second to Vince Carter. And if you guys remember that particular slam dunk contest, that was when Vince Carter eventually actually went off and was born and became the Vince Carter we all know today. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse, T-Mac, they were in that slam dunk contest. So for him to come in second was pretty good. Uh, he played a 10 year career. He played with the Houston Rockets, the Knicks and the Magic. Um, he averaged 18 points, five rebounds, six assists for his career. Just a really a, a human highlight reel at the guard position. He had super duper handles, could do whatever he wanted on the court off the dribble. He could break anybody down. He even broke down Allen Iverson off the dribble, gave him a killer cross. So Steve Francis is definitely somebody who I think is not talked about enough and just needs to be recognized as being one of the great players to play in the NBA. I mean, his handles were just, like I said, were just off the hook and he was he was definitely explosive to watch with, those, with, the, with that bird. I wanna say he had like a 42 or 44 inch bird and to be six feet tall, jumping that high is amazing like uh shout out steve francis aka the franchise shout out. 
Something else I saw in the news this week, Giannis Antetokounmpo was uh, talking about his preparation for games before he plays NBA games. And basically he said that he doesn't watch any film. He's never watched an NBA game. He doesn't know anything about players he plays against before he plays them. Come on now, how are you not gonna watch film? That's what athlete do, athletes do is watch film. To me, I feel like he's, there's a lot of cap in there. He was trying to you know, sound like you know, he was big and bad and he didn't have to prepare. He just liked to go in there for the challenge because of not watching film because the NBA was already too easy for him, which is you know, super cap. Like that's, that's why Dame Willard, you know, I think is gonna eventually leave Milwaukee and go to go to Miami like he wanted to because of stuff like that. Like nobody wants to hear that you don't prepare for games like everybody else prepares because you feel like you're, you're, you're too good to, to have to prepare and watch film. And I think he was trying to sound real big and bad, but he just came off as sounding kind of immature in my mind. So I feel like Dame, you know, there's a reason why Dame left them off his top five. Y'all know Dame's top five was Dame, Steph Curry, LeBron James, KD, and Bam. So I think, you know, it's it, it, it's pretty safe to say that he's going to leave Milwaukee if he left his own teammate off his top five. And his teammate isn't a scrub. His teammate is actually a really good, historically good player. But he still is like, nah, if my top five, you're not on it. So I feel like that that's saying a lot. I feel like Dame is going to be out of there. Dame was also on wax talking about Thanos Antetokounmpo and was kind of getting upset with people who were talking about him and trashing him for not having a lot of game and he doesn't. But um, basically he, he he's on record as saying that, you know, not a lot of people could beat him one-on-one. -on -one. Matter of fact, nobody could beat him one-on-one -on -one who's talking all the trash about him. And again, I call Major Cap on that as well. I mean, Thanos is a professional athlete he's actually paid to play basketball he plays basketball every day of his life he trains with professional trainers he plays against other professionals like of course you know joe schmo who has a blog is going to beat him one-on-one -on -one. like not many players not many bloggers are going to beat any professional athlete one-on-one -on, -one on anything athletically speaking so to say like that means something like you know what you guys aren't going to put beat him one-on-one -on -one, like that doesn't mean anything Thanos is still garbage out there he still gets no playing time and the people he plays against he gets dominated by so let's just keep it real can we talk about the lakers for for a second the Lakers are struggling this season. They came into the offseason feeling really good about their roster. They made some moves and felt like they were going to contend, but they're, you know, struggling to get into the playoffs. May or may not make it. I think they're going to make it, but they're definitely borderline. They're definitely a play-in team. Uh, one major reason why they're a playoff team, I think, is their NBA draft. They have one of the worst NBA drafts of, drafts of any team in the draft this year. The Lakers drafted Jalen Hood. The 17th pick, which I think was not a good pick for them, if you consider what came right after those picks. The Heat picked up Jaime Hackquest Jr., which, you know, who was contributing, who's a major contributor to that team, especially with Jimmy Butler going out for a little bit, along with Tyler Hero. The Warriors picked up Brandon Podzemski, who's actually a really good player for them. They were able to move Clay to the bench and actually starting Brandon in the starting lineup. So I think that was a good pick for them. Uh, and the Rockets picked up Cam Whitmore. And Cam Whitmore, that was a steal. He should have been a top five pick if it wasn't for whatever he had going on, you know, in the interviews or whatever his records looked like that made him drop so far into the draft. But they could have picked up Cam Whitmore. I personally think they should have picked up Jaime Vasquez, a SoCal native. You know, that would have been a really good pickup for them. But instead, they picked up Jalen Hood. And Jalen Hood hasn't been playing at all. You know, he hasn't really contributed anything to that team. So I think a major reason they're struggling and they're, you know, a borderline playoff team is this NBA draft. And I'll 
something that's talked about enough. So the Lakers need to, you know, maybe reanalyze how they look at draft players and definitely don't pick Bronny if he's in a draft this year because Bronny is not ready to come out this year. Absolutely not. What's wrong with the Houston Rockets, yo? Like they had an explosive offseason. They signed Ime Udoka as their head coach. He's a top-notch coach in the league right now. They signed Fred Van Fleet as a free agent. They signed Dylan Brooks. They already had Singun in the middle. Jalen Green. They had Jabari Smith Jr., who had an explosive uh, summer league this year, and it was a lot of put a lot of hype going behind him. Uh, but they they just not really doing their thing. They even drafted Emin Thompson, who's a top, who's a lottery pick, who's actually really good out there. But they're not really doing what they're supposed to do. They're four games back in the for the uh, playing tournament this season. They're just not really, you know, doing what they're supposed to do. And I believe the problem lies directly on Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is not who they think he is. Like I feel like Dylan Brooks is overhyped. I feel like he gets a lot of, you know, pub and a lot of, you know, makes a lot of noise just because he just does that, makes a lot of noise. But he's not really a good player. I think he's a distraction from Jalen Green. Jalen Green's potential was in production was supposed to be way higher than it is this season. And I think it's not because Jalen Brooks is kind of taking those shots away from him. So I feel like they need to do something with Dylan Brooks. Like I feel like Ima Udoka is a really good coach and he's gonna adjust. But you know, Dylan Brooks, they need to, you know, kind of lessen his playing time and give other players like Amin Thompson more time at that three position. Cause I feel like he, he contributes a lot more and does a lot more for that team than Dylan Brooks. So Dylan Brooks, ain't, Dylan Brooks ain't it. Now, back in 2019 on the show, NBA Countdown, I was in the studio for this too. This was hilarious when it happened, but Paul Pierce, compared himself to Dwayne Wade and said that he thought he had the better career than Dwayne Wade. Jalen Rose then went in on him and, and basically called him crazy for saying that. But is he really crazy, though? I mean, Paul Pierce had a hell of a career, and I think people really forget how dominant Paul Pierce was. He's played 19 seasons with Boston, 15 of them with the Celtics. He was drafted number 10 in the 99 draft, had appeared in 10 NBA All-Star games, four All-NBA nods, and one Finals MVP award, along with one title. He was named to the 75th anniversary team as well. So Paul Pierce is definitely, you know, he ain't no slouch. Like, I think people forget those years he played with Antoine Walker, and they kind of struggled in the Eastern Conference before they got the big three in Boston. But Paul Pierce was carrying them. Like, Paul Pierce was the catalyst of those teams. Like, he was going head up with MJ. It was an older MJ, but he was still going having battles with MJ. So I feel like Paul Pierce is not really respected when it comes to that. I mean, Dwayne Wade did play 16 seasons. He made 13 all-star games, all defensive team three times, and led the league in scoring in the 2008-2009 season. He also won three NBA titles and was named Finals MVP. So if you look at the accolades, it definitely leans a little bit towards D. Wade. But all I'm saying is that, one, they were both great players. But Paul Pierce can definitely compare himself to D. Wade. Like, he can. You know, in, in, in some universes, he might have had a better career if you think about it, because before the big three got together with KG and Ray Allen in Boston, it was him and Antoine Walker in Boston. And they were, you know, they didn't win any championships, but they were definitely in contention every year. They played ball and Paul Pierce was the head. Paul Pierce carried them a lot of the way. Paul Pierce was a problem. So let's let's put res some respect on Paul Pierce's name, because I think Paul Pierce was definitely a great player. And when you compare his, his career with Dwayne Wade, they're definitely neck and neck. But, you know, 
He did sound a little crazy when he did say that though. To say he was better, I don't know if he was better, but it was definitely neck and neck. All right, let's talk some WNBA news. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk about actually college basketball, women's college basketball, because I think there's a pretty good topic going on right now. Uh, your boy Jay Will was talking about Caitlin Clark, Iowa's C Caitlin Clark, and basically said, I quote, I hear people talking about goats. And for me, I'm like, okay, you wanna be a goat? Fine. There are levels of greatness. You gotta win championships to be goats. Championships. That's how we measure greatness overall. And, you know, I kind of tend to agree with my boy Jay Will. I mean, you know, everybody's giving Caitlin, Willi Caitlin Clark, excuse me, this, this GOAT status and saying she's the greatest college basketball player to ever play. Like, what? what? The greatest college basketball player to ever play? I know she hits long range jump shots and can make some plays, but to say she's the greatest player of all time is, is, is crazy. Like there's too many to name that are in the contention of being greatest. But for me, the first name that pops in my head when I think of greatest college basketball player to ever play was Cheryl Miller. Cheryl Miller was from California. She led her high school team, high school team to 132 and four record. 132 wins and four losses. She averaged 32 and 15. She was named high school player of the year two times and set records in scoring for a single season and career. Matter of fact, she once scored 105 points in a game. That's just high school. Now let's get to college. She stayed in California and went to SC. And as a Trojan, she led them to a natty in 1983 and 1984. She was named MVP both of those years. Sports Illustrator named her the player of the year, both male and female. She was the college of the player of the year three different times. She averaged 23 and 12 and shot 56% from the field. She was able to also able to lead Team USC to five gold medals. Like, what are we talking about here? Back in the 80s, there were no pro women's leagues, but that really didn't stop her because she was actually drafted in the USBL league, which is a men's league. They actually wanted her to play in the men's league. Unfortunately, she wasn't able to play because she had a bad knee. So she wasn't able to, that was where her career stopped, but she has to be the most dominant college player to ever play. Like both male and female, really like Cheryl Miller was it. So to say Caitlin Clark is anywhere in that, Ozone is just is is insanity to me. Like she's a really good player, but she's no Cheryl Miller. Not 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 at all. Not even close. Let's stop that. And speaking of USC legends, can we talk about Juju? Juju is balling. Like I love watching her play. She is dope. Juju does her thing. What I like most about her is that jump shot. Me it reminds me of Devin Booker's jump shot. It's just all legs. It's high release. She, she, she elevates, like it's a beautiful jump shot to watch. She's already broken the freshman record for, for, for 30 point games in the season, which happens to be an old Cheryl Miller record, but she, and she's leading that team as a force in the Pac-12. So look out sit Caitlin Clark, cause there's a new sheriff in town. As soon as she, she soon as Caitlin's done, Juju's gonna come in and I think she's gonna break some records. She's gonna set a, has another level. Like I don't think college basketball on the women's side has ever been so exciting to watch as it is right now. There are a lot of players out there doing a thing. Angel Reese, like there are a lot of dominant players out there. So I like, I like what's going on and I like the potential in the future of what's going on as well. KD, AKA Easy Money Sniper, 
had a little exchange with some fans at a Dallas game this past week. As he was running out the warm-ups, some fans who had some really good seats, by the way, called him out his name, called him a bitch. So what'd he do? He stopped, got out of the warm-up line, and Ken went over there and had a conversation with him. And he was quoted as saying, I could have had them kicked out. Nah, don't put that on me. They didn't harm me. They didn't try to harm me physically. Let them stay and give them something to think about going forward. I know you don't mean that, and I'm not going to get you kicked out because you pay your money for these tickets. You had a couple of drinks. I understand how people get, but there are better ways to try to get my attention and talk to me other than calling me a bitch. I know the people want to get, I know the people want to pet the animals in the zoo, get close to the animals in the zoo, but once they get close, they realize you're real human beings too. So you should treat us like that. And you got to agree with them and you got to commend them for not having those fans kicked out because that's what a lot of players do. Luca, Luca had a fan call him fat and had him kicked out the game. Like, if that's not sensitive, I don't know what sensitive is. But, you know, KD was just like, nah, I'm not going to let y'all get to me, but I'm going to make sure you know that it's not okay. And I respect that. You know, KD definitely went over there and had a strong conversation with him and let him know, like, you know, we're not going to be calling me no bitch, but you enjoy the game and you know just know that you got to respect us because we are not just objects we're human beings and we're out here doing a job so big up to uh kd easy money sniper for standing ground yo let me ask y'all a question what would make a regular person think it's okay to try and beat up a professional athlete like what are you doing like especially a football player i know y'all know what i'm talking about Cam Newton was at a seven-on-seven football tournament in Georgia, and basically this crew of guys, they call themselves TSP, decided they were going to jump Cam Newton. And they tried to jump him and and jump. Cam had one guy in a headlock by throwing another dude to the ground. Like, it was ugly. So, again, I asked, why would you think it'd be a good idea to attack a professional athlete, especially a guy like Cam Newton, who's 6'5", damn near 250. Like, he's made a living throwing men off of him grown men bigger than you off of him you think you're gonna act you think you're gonna run up on him and actually do something to him like these guys is crazy cam was so good after the scuffle he tweeted his team congrats on the win after winning the tournament like he and his hat never fell off during the fight that was i think that was the funniest thing to me is that his hat you know he wears crazy hats his hat never fell off during the fight like it wasn't even that big a deal and if you're like me trying to figure out who who are the TSP crew? Like, what does TSP mean? TSP means top shelf performance. I had to do some research on this. They call themselves TSP, and that means top shelf performance. But I still have no idea what they do besides take several punches. Get it? See what I did there? Take several punches, TSP. You like that. So Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, Luke Longley, announced they're going on a tour this weekend called the No Bull Tour. Basically, it's a response to the Last Dance documentary that Mike put together. And they basically mar- are marketing it as being like their their response. They're gonna, you know, get into it and start talking a little trash to Mike and all this other stuff. Like, come on now, what are we doing here? Like Horace Grant, you shouldn't be talking. You got three rings from Mike. Then you went to Orlando and and, and and stunk for a little bit before you jumped on the Lakers coattail and caught some championships there. So you had a good career. Luke Longley, Luke Longley, you wouldn't even be Luke Longley if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. We wouldn't even know who you are. So let's go out of here. And Scotty, 
let's let's not get started on Scotty. Scotty, you got a, You got a, You got a lot going on, Mr. Pippen. So let's let's relax. Relax a little bit. So they actually had their first show in Melbourne, Australia this past weekend, and they weren't talking too much. They weren't. It wasn't too controversial. It was more of them just reminiscing about the good old days, playing with the Bulls and winning all their championships and just what it was like to experience that. So it was actually a good time. And, you know, I think they were just trying to get people to watch it. So they, you know, they put all this, you know, scandalous and, you know, all these other, you know, explosive, you know, terms that kind of advertisements, I mean, to, to, you know, get people to watch. I would have kicked Dennis Rodman. But really, they were just, you know, they just wanted people that. to come and watch. So, you know, shout out them. Congratulations on your tour. You know, I mean, I, I know they're going to hit some more spots in Australia. I think they're going to be in uh, Tasmania, Melbourne and Sydney. So, you know, good for them. I hope they, you know, do their thing. And Scotty Pippen, you know, get your hair cut, man. Your hair looks crazy. <laughs> All right, can we talk some baseball? I know not everybody's a fan of baseball, but we're going to be talking about baseball on this podcast. Uh, I want to talk about your boy Scott Boris, agent for players in the in the Major League Baseball arena. Like, uh, I don't like how he's moving right now. Like, he's got some key players holding out for more money, and spring training has started. Like, you know, the ball's in the air. Like the like the players are out there playing ball. So, what are we doing? Like, the two players, the few players I'm thinking about is uh, the pitcher Blake Schnell, Jordan Montgomery. Cody Bellinger just signed finally, but you know, these are pitchers who aren't in spring training facilities getting started for their season. Like that's going to hurt them coming toward going into the season. Like Scott Boris is trying to get them to big payday and you know, maybe the market's just not there for them to get that payday. So these players need to sign like this is, it's getting ridiculous at this point. And it's just going to hurt the product in my opinion. I mean, you look at a player like Carlos Rodon last season, like he wasn't holding out, but he did get hurt during spring training. And that basically hurt him going into the season because he was trying to push him and rush himself to get to get together and you know he ended up not having a good year and i think that has everything to do with spring training like the thing about baseball and the reason why spring training is so long is that because baseball first off it's a super long regular season and you have to prepare your body for that super long regular season so spring training is key in that prep preparation for that season so if you skip skip spring training or you only you know participate in half of spring training it's going to show during the season and you're not going to really play up to your potential until halfway during the season into the season and that might be too late so you know scott boris is not doing his players any favors by holding them out this far into spring training like we're already a week into spring training and you know two pitchers who are who are really good pitchers who are going to play a big factor on whatever team they go to haven't pitched haven't even trained and they're i'm sure they're probably training in their own way in their own facilities but i don't think that compares to what they get in a major league baseball training facility like this isn't helping them so we'll have to stay tuned to see what's going on with that but it's it's definitely not a good start to see good start to the season uh, speaking of good starts, have you seen my boy Juan Soto in those pinstripes balling? Can't wait for the season to start. Let's go, Yankees. All right, let's talk about some fantasy. With your fantasy. With your fantasy. You know, that's my joint. Yo, fantasy basketball is, is going. 
it's getting towards the end of the season though, which means the playoffs are about to start. And that what that means is that a lot of players that you probably depended on for this whole entire year are gonna start shutting down, which means you gotta make adjust adjustments. You gotta, you know, counteract that because you might lose some players. And I got some players I think that are gonna, you know, have been major contributors to a lot of different teams that are now gonna regress and you're gonna have to you know, kind of make up for what they're you're losing. Uh, the first player is Jaron Jackson and or Desmond Bain. Uh, Desmond Bain's been hurt for most, you know, the majority of the year, but when he was playing, he was contributing, he was doing his thing. I don't see him coming back for the rest of the season. The Grizzlies aren't in any type of contention to make the playoffs, so I don't think he's going to, you know, make, see the court anytime soon. And then you got uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. He's been playing a lot. He's been carrying that team. So I feel like Jaron Jackson is going to shut it down in the second. Then you're going to have to regroup and kind of, you know, figure out what you're going to do to replace that production. Now, I heard... I heard your boy Gigi Jackson is going to get some more playing time. So I feel like he might be a good pickup to make in replacement of Jaron Jackson and or Desmond Bain on that Grizzly roster. If you need to, you know, kind of make up for what you're going to lose with Jaron Jackson Jr. Um, another player I think that's going to fall off due to the playoffs and due to his team not being in there is uh, Scotty Barnes. Uh, Scotty Barnes has been depended on heavily for production on that team now that OG and Pascal Siakam are off, this, off the squad. But I feel like Scotty Barnes is going to, you know, slowly but surely his playing time is going to get shorter and shorter because they're going to basically save him for next season and, and, and avoid any injury going forward. So I feel like Toronto's a team you probably want to stay away from just generally speaking because they really don't have any quality fantasy assets I can think of that, you know, need to be picked up. But I feel like if you ask Scotty Barnes, you might want to, you know, look elsewhere and kind of feel, look for somebody to fill that gap because his production is definitely going to fall off, in my opinion. And then you got Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma has been balling double doubles. Like he's a he's a he's a contributing factor to any fantasy team. And I think he's a, he's definitely going to you know fall off a little bit, especially considering the quote that he had earlier this year. He's on record as saying he doesn't think the Wizards are going to make the playoffs. <laughs> well, no, bro, you've only won nine games this season. That's tied with the Detroit Pistons right now for wins in the season, which is, you know, pretty bad. So I don't know if he said this and I'm going to assume he didn't. Hopefully he did not, because that would be crazy for him to say. But I don't think his playing time is going to be what it is going forward. I think slowly but surely he's going to fall back. And how about your boy Jordan Poole? I called him out last week and he's finally showing up three games in a row it's only three games so it's a small sample but still 18 18 24 and he just scored what 31 a couple nights ago like jordan pool is 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 slowly figuring it out i think i think this adjustment him coming off the bench is you know probably helped him with the pressure you know it's less pressure he feels and he's probably coming in and he's dominating that second unit like i feel like this might be a good time to you know pick up jordan Poole and see what he does going forward because i feel like he has a lot to prove so i don't think he's going to sit out i think he's going to continue to play into the playoffs and be a major factor so you know i'd pick up jordan Poole if i were you i already got him so you know sneaker of the week sneaker of the week sneaker of the week this week we talk about the nike air tech challenge twos I got a pair down here, I believe. Yes, sir. Fresh Retro. Andre Agassi just announced on his IG that they're going to re-release these shoes in pre-age conditions, which basically means they're going to be a yellow, yellowed out on the laces and a little yellowed out on the soles. Me, personally, I ain't really feeling that. Like, I like my shoes fresh, clean all the time. I've had these for about a year, year and a half. And as you can see, they're relatively new and fresh. I keep them fresh. 
you know, so I'm not really feeling this pre-age look, but you know, it is what it is. The kids like what they like. Uh, but yeah, the hot lobbies is dropping. You know, I'm glad they're dropping now. So that way when I wear these, people won't be running up to me talking about what are those? All right, album of the week, album of the week. It's your boy, Black Rob, rest in peace, Black Rob. Black Rob actually passed away in 2021. Um, him and Puff are on good terms, so that's really good to hear. But they released a follow-up to his debut album, Life Story. It's called Life Story 2. And it, it has production from D-Dot from the Hitman Squad. And there's also some Hitman producers on here as well. And Buck Wild from the DITC crew, who also produced his hit single, Woe off that life story album is also producing some tracks on this album now a lot of people only know black rob from that single whoa like whoa everybody was whoa but black rob was actually really ill like really really ill and this album is a good reflection of that it sounds like a mixtape to me where it's just track after track bars after bars are just black rob really you know showing you who black rob is and uh has a lot of production a lot of features my my go-to tracks are black featuring black thought i thought that was a really dope out dope song uh more featuring the mad rapper was a really dope song and of course no love featuring the you know ill and c joel ot's i feel like that was a dope track as well one of my favorite tracks is uh holla at me first which is basically just a track talking about how hip-hop media outlets run create these false narratives of artists and they basically need to come holla at me first if you want that real so it's a really dope album and again black rob passed around passed away in 2021 um you know his 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 career was was notable and, uh, and those who know know how real of an mc he was and how dope he was and i think this album is a good reflection of that so check it out all right and other news on the hip-hop front boozy badass boozy's funny yo like boozy be cracking me up but boozy was on the record talking about eminem and how street dudes don't really feel eminem has a top five mc whereas you know everybody else kind of calls him one of the greatest mcs of all time dudes from the streets don't really consider him a great mc and i tend to kind of agree with them on that like it when eminem first came out it was real corny it was mtv it was videos like he definitely has bars like if you know eminem you know from the wake up show and all his freestyles like eminem is definitely an mc and he's he's ill he's definitely a top mc but i don't know if he's top five like you know his career has kind of been more about commercial more about you know gimmicks and things like that that you know real mcs aren't really on so you know eminem is not is not there for me so i tend to agree with boozy on this and he actually had dmx in his top five which you know i i could i could see that like because dmx is you know he came off with some real you know thought-provoking you know a reflection of himself music he put himself into his bars and he definitely let us know who earl was so you know dmx is definitely like if you compare dmx and eminem those are two different rappers like an eminem is definitely dope and in his own arena but dmx is a different type rapper and when you talk about top five mcs i think you're talking more about the dmx type rappers and not the eminem type rappers like eminem is more like mtv you know vh1 they like talking about you know what he brings because it's more colorful dmx was also on mtv but he was more like yo mtv raps you know what i mean like 
you know, it, like DMX is for a certain type of crowd and not everybody's going to understand and really appreciate what DMX brought. So I agree with Boozy on this. And, you know, Boozy is crazy. Boozy was at the Hawks games while Hawks games wilding out. He's a big Atlanta Hawk fan. So I really appreciate his him representing on the sidelines, even though he looks crazy as hell. And also you put out this video of his bedroom, which I thought was just hilarious. And we had to talk about like his master bedroom. He basically connected four California king size beds together. And that's his big ass bed that he sleeps on. He has four big screen TVs around him and a projection TV coming down. Like Boozy's living a life that, you know, as younger men, we probably all dreaming about doing when we had some money, but Boozy's crazy. He definitely defines the never should have gave y'all money because he's definitely one of those type dudes so shout out boozy badass and one more thing i want to note on the hip-hop front uh mogul dame dash is being sued once again and um he's being forced to give up his shares of rockefeller records which is huge because he owns a third of rockefeller records along with um jay-z and kareem burke biggs burke so this is big Dame has 180 days to forfeit the, the stock certificate to the U.S. Marshal for the Rockefeller Records. Jay and Big's main objection is less than about siding with Dame and is more about concerns about an outsider purchasing the intellectual rights of Rockefeller Records. And this is addressed to them. And they basically said they could participate in the auction and place the winning bid. So they could basically bid for his share, but they're not gonna stop this from happening so dame's in a lot of trouble and you know hopefully we're, we'll get it get it all resolved it's more about rockefeller records because those those masters and that catalog is crazy and if it falls into the wrong hands who knows what type of corny stuff they could do with it so hopefully they work all that out well that's it that's it that's it appreciate y'all for listening appreciate y'all for tuning in this week uh we gonna come back next week and do the same damn thing at the same damn time holla at me <laughs>